Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. Oracle Marketing Cloud helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. And by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. Now, here are your hosts from Oracle Marketing Cloud, Chris Moody, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros. I'm Randy Frisch on behalf of Uberflip, and I'm running solo today without Chris Moody. Um, but I'm very excited to welcome Jim Darjankolo to uh, to our episode. Jim, thanks so much for taking the time. For those who don't know Jim, he is the Senior VP of Marketing at Booker.com. Uh, Booker.com helps you with software to manage your small business tied around appointment setting and a whole bunch more. More. Um, I've gotten to know Jim a lot over the last, I guess, probably year and a half now. Uh, we've spoken it a couple of times together. Uh, Jim's also been, you know, a great advocate for for my company, um, but more so a great content strategist. So, Jim, it's great to have you here today, and maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what you do at, at Booker and and what Booker does, just so everyone has some context. Sure. Thank you, Randy. And uh, yeah, uh, you said that I am one of Uberflip's biggest fans and well-earned by Uberflip. You've, uh, I'll get into it later, but you certainly helped us with our entire you know, content strategy, get it off the ground really well, really quickly, and it's just you know, been tremendous results for us. So, so thanks right up front. Uh, yeah, Randy, as you said, Booker is uh, a platform to help uh, SMB service businesses uh, grow and run their business. We help with everything from um, attracting new customers, booking appointments, actual uh, payment management, retention marketing, and then actually managing all the back rooms. So uh, I liken it to if, if an open table uh, were on steroids, instead of just being able to, to book, a, book a table at a certain restaurant at a certain time, you'd actually be able to um, pick the waiter, pick your food, pay for it in advance, uh, leave the tip, and then if you own the restaurant, you know which wait staff, uh, which tables, how much linen, how much food, et cetera, you'd need. So, so it uh, really brings a lot of horsepower to SMB service companies. Um, I've been at uh, Booker for oh, let's see, a little over two and a quarter years, and uh, I'm basically in charge of um, the demand gen strategy, uh, go to market strategies. Um, Everything around PR, corporate communications, uh, boy, you name it, um, all the uh, the design, the branding for the company, a uh, little bit of everything, but the entire marketing team really drives around our, our content strategy, and certainly, um, as it's come to be the case over the course of the last two years, much of what, bar- uh, what marketing does for Booker and how um, big a role marketing plays at Booker is driven by the content strategy. So, so content literally has had a, a major hand in terms of the reshaping of Booker in the course of the last two years. So, yeah, um, it's it's been really core to us, Randy. So, I, I love 
the story of what you've accomplished there in the last couple of years plus. And I, I think what's great about it is, is it tells us a story. So why don't, why don't we, you know, for people today, why don't we kind of take them back to when you got there? And as you said, content is, is core to your strategy today, but I think it, it, it barely existed two and a half years ago. So maybe you can kind of tell us what you walked in with and, you know, how did you, you know, because I think a lot of companies are probably in that same stage as you are, which is, you know, content exists, but there's not much of a strategy there. So how did you kind of assess what the baseline was and how did you decide some of your first steps towards implementing a content strategy? Sure. Thank you, Randy. Great question. Um, when I got here uh, in January 2014, we really didn't have um, we really didn't have uh, any we didn't have any content producers. Didn't have any sort of um, content management. Uh, we had a Marketo system uh, that really um, we had to basically uh, kind of tear down. Our Salesforce was in a kind of a state of disarray. We had no product marketing. Um, most of our leads, uh, which are only about 50% of our contracts, uh, were from paid search and trade shows, extremely cost inefficient. Um, and also, uh, with no content, no nurture streams, no nothing to follow up, they were kind of one and done, uh, kind of like shooting stars to shoot up and be gone, uh, came in the door as an opportunity for sales reps, they either closed them or didn't. And, um, that was it. They got thrown into a Salesforce, never to be seen or heard from again. Um, so when I got here, there were uh, there were about ninety thousand dead or dormant leads uh, in our Salesforce database, and as I said about sixty percent of our contracts were coming from outbound reps. Um, so I immediately kind of came in and started to turn the organization around to a, a content driven strategy. Um, literally started with one persona and three stages of the buyer consideration cycle, the buyer the buyer journey, and I uh, started to plow out from there um, until we had you know basically in the span of about four months we had uh, about a half dozen different personas. Uh, we had five stages uh, from you know unaware all the way through through aware and consideration to the later um, you know pre-purchase consideration stages. Uh, we had to build out the infrastructure for it. Um, Hand in hand, so so we basically kind of retooled our marketing automation system. Done you know a lot of work retooling um, Salesforce, and then um, the third leg of the stool that I saw most critical was was Uberflip, uh, because as we were starting to plow out our content, um, as we as we were introducing for the first time really a blog, uh, we needed um, a lot of intelligence and a lot of horsepower and partner that would actually help us make the most of it. So we turned to Uberflip and. Uh, uh, we started with uh, the core of our content um, really being the, the hub of it being our blog. Um, and uh, we had we had kind of tried it on our own for a brief period without Uberflip. We were having some luck for sure, um, but we knew that we couldn't scale. We knew it wasn't very intelligent. It didn't look very good. Uh, we were using WordPress and it just, just wasn't doing the job for us. Uh, we brought in Uberflip. Um, and as we had all these different pieces of content, um, and you know, it was becoming a fairly sophisticated content strategy and structure being built out, uh, we we're about to relaunch our website as, as kind of like the crowning point and the kickoff point. Um, we realized we needed Uberflip with about three weeks before launch time. And uh, to their credit, um, they came in, um, they took us seriously, they got the job done extremely well, and right out of the shoot, um, our, our website traffic uh, nearly doubled, literally in the span of the first 30, 60 days, and our lead generation just took off from there. Um, so that was, uh, that was really what we had to do um, right from the get-go. And even to kind of take that, you know, one step further, if, if that was, you know, basically the first, you know, six, eight months I was here, 
Uh, within the next you know, six to eight months, um, we had completely turned our entire marketing business around. We went, uh, we started to ripple into our sales team. We went from 50% inbound re- leads relative to contracts to almost 100% um, in that time. Uh, our sales productivity went up over the course of 2015, went up 2.4x what it had been uh, 2014. Um, our uh, lead volume. Uh, our sales went up 3.8x times um, over the course of 2015. Our CPAs were cut by about 50%. Uh, and not only was our churn cut by about 60%, but we actually, uh, in, in the SaaS world, this is, uh, Booker, this past March, hit net positive churn and did the same thing in April. Um, so really strong, uh, really strong um, growth dimensions there. Uh, we also made our, our customer experience team uh, much, much more efficient all this because um, the combination of um, well-targeted, well-positioned content um, teed up really well through marketing automation system um, really just actually became the, the impetus for, for building out a marketing tech stack, which helped us further tune, further tune, further tune our content, how we reach and engage customers, and then how efficient the organization was as a whole. So a um, little bit of a long-winded answer as to, to what I started to do when I got here with the marketing team. But... Um, but yeah, it, it was uh, kind of the, the first steps of uh, Booker kind of changing its business all, all geared to content. Again, I, it is it is a long story, but it's amazing how much you accomplished over the, have accomplished so far um, and continue to accomplish. I want to zero in on on some of the stuff you you talked about, and you know, I I, I was almost blushing by the way on all the the Uber Flip references, which I appreciate, <laughs> but we'll try not to make this an infomercial. <laughs> um, so all true, all true though. <laughs> I love that, uh, but but. You know, you talked about a couple of key points at the beginning in terms of where you came in, what you had, and then what you started to put into place. And there's two things that that I took notice of right away. One was, you know, the decision to go heavy on blog, right? And you know, there's a lot of people who talk about the importance of blogs and you know the ease of starting with blogs. I'm wondering if that was the reason or if there was you know, a more specific reason tied to your point being the persona that you had identified. So you talked about also starting off very simple. And I think you know, that's probably the, the toughest decision that you probably had. I mean, you know, as you've described, you've grown to six personas, but we all want to start with many personas because we right. think our solution works for everyone and anyone. But you somehow zeroed in on this one persona. So maybe talk about why blog and why persona and are the two related? Sure. Um, the reason I started with blog was that our target audience is uh, SMBs. And um, going back two and a quarter years ago, um, the common belief was that you could not target SMBs with content uh, because they're too busy, they don't have enough staff, uh, they're too stressed as it is, they wouldn't take the time, and so on. Uh, but I've done a lot of work in the SMB space over the last 20 years, and I knew that it, um, that about in round terms, about 40% of SMBs are looking to grow um, their business. And if you took the next tier down, about 30% are looking to, to basically just manage their business better, even if they aren't looking to grow. Um, so I knew if you actually um, uh, created content in, in a sense, bite-sized, digestible pieces that would take, you know, in round terms, 45 to 60 seconds to read, and were very much geared around um, 
best practices, best tips, best approaches to either growing or running their business. What you then did, had was a frame around even just those two really big buckets. I, you know, I just mentioned just the 40% looking to grow, the 30% looking to run their business better, um, which, oh, by the way, coincide with the two, two phases of the coin that are Booker. Um, you then actually could start to gear your content um, around things like, um, I'll just take a couple off the top of it just because of the seasonality here. Um, five, west, five best ways to use uh, gift certificates to grow your customer base uh, for Mother's Day. Um, five, uh, five best ways to retain co- all the new customers you get from the gift certificates from Mother's Day in the weeks afterwards. Um, uh, another one, you know, uh, 10 best ways to engage men since they make 70% of the purchases from Mother's Day. Just, just as a couple of examples off the top of my head. So you could, with those couple of very big bucket um, targets with very big bucket motivations, plow into just a couple of personas. Like for us, our, our sweet spot for customers we found um, and, and content marketing and, and marketing automation actually helped us tune into this was basically six to 20 customers, two to three locations um, is where we basically drive the, the highest close rate, highest sales velocity, lowest churn rates, highest MRR, uh, highest LTV. And, um, and, and so you basically start there and you realize, so, so if I get a, you know, I'd love to start with unaware stage cause, cause for, for us, we start with unaware stage because it's no different than an enterprise, um, RFP, if you actually set the terms for the RFP before the RFP is formed, um, you've got a great, great ability to actually succeed better. So normally, we'd, you know, we'd love to start with unaware, but we only, we could start with three. So we started with aware, mid-stage, and, and late-stage. And this just literally started to, to, to work from there. We started with, uh, with the grow side, and we started with the run side, and then we just started to plow out um, along those lines. And we started getting traction, you know, literally almost immediately. Um, and what we found was in very short order, um, because the, you know, the, there was a basically an underserved mar- you know, marketplace structure, um, that we could jump in. The other thing that I knew from, from basic understanding buyer journey and buyer consideration cycle, and even just basic sales funnel, marketing funnel was we actually shaped the blog in, in, in the shape of a marketing funnel. So, um, there are many, um, common, opportunities and, and problems among SMBs um, that, that are fairly uniform. So I basically we would, we would write to the horizontal common problems in a sense at the top of the, the funnel um, for, our, for our blog. Um, so that basically these would be, these would, you know, these would basically open up the aperture um, and be uh, a point of context right away for, uh, for any of the SMB readers. But then we would actually drill into vertical market specific um, solutions and best practices as the next tier down. Um, and so that with a third tier of actually leading into the relevant product area for Booker allowed people, allowed SMBs to, to come in um, with kind of the broadest appeal, uh, yet still very relevant, very contextual to them in terms of how they ran their business, drilled into another level of specificity and relevance uh, relative to their vertical market. And then, you know, if they so choose to, to walk into a product uh, product area um, that would that would actually kind of close the loop for them. Um, so that that worked really well out of the shoot. And, and what we're talking about literally, you know, we've built out in the span of, um, 
you know, some handful of weeks. And as I mentioned earlier for, for Uberflip, sorry, sorry for the plug, but, but, you know, Uberflip actually built it out for us in the span of about three weeks. And I, I don't, I hate throwing out the three weeks as well. It's a testimonial to your work, Randy. Um, I, I don't want to set unrealistic deadlines that, that, uh, customers and prospects hit you with, but, but it was the case for us. And, uh, and again, we, we had, we had some amazing value right out of the shoot because of that. So, so kind of a long answer to, uh, to the question, but um, between kind of a basic beginning, a basic understanding of the marketplace, a basic understanding of the specific targets we're looking for, basic understanding of motivations by a couple of key personas, um, chunking it down to, to basic, uh, basic consideration stages, and then actually the shape and, and um, you know, funnel of the blog, it worked, uh, it worked extremely well for us. That's that's great, and you know if if people want to check out the blog, it, it lives at blog.booker.com. And one of the things I I always love to to use what you do as a great case study, and and you talked about this I think when you talked about the third tier just before in terms of thinking about the verticals and how people are looking for content. And you know one of the things that I often talk about is that many marketers make the mistake of organizing content by the format in which it was created. So all of our ebooks are together under a tab called ebooks and all of our white papers under white papers and videos under the video tab and so on and so forth, which doesn't really work to your point in terms of how people are going to navigate and how we serve them contextual content. So one of the, the examples I love with you guys is that you have created these buckets of content. Um, so you have one for your spa and salon owners yeah. um, so that someone who who's running a small business that's a spa and salon, that's obviously one of your core personas that you're looking at, can come in and find content that matters to them. Whereas, you know, the person who's owning a pet grooming salon, which is obviously a different type of manicure and pedicure, I guess, um, you know, is going to come in and have, you know, their own curated stream of content. But the, the part that maybe you can talk to um, is how you also map the right call to action to the content because I think that's something you do really well. And you know, to your point, it's Mother's Day coming up, and even though we try not to to date these podcasts so yeah. that they can be evergreen, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll yep. now know when this was recorded. <laughs> uh, but the you know the, the current call to actions talk all about Mother's Day there, whereas if I go under the pet services one, they talk about you know getting the pet groomer's guide to online world. So maybe you can talk about how that happens from a team structure. Is that all done by the content team or do you have a demand team and the content team working hand in hand to figure this stuff out? Yeah, actually, I mean, that's a great question, Randy. Um, one of the things I think um, has been a critical key to our success is we actually, uh, the way I structured the marketing team was um, we have um, different points of what I would call external input uh, drive into our content team. So so we have a, a sales channel relationship team, which basically takes the input from our, our sales channels, as you would expect. Um, we have our, uh, our SEO and digital acquisition team that have a hand driving in as to what people are looking for. Um, we also but most especially have a product marketing team um, that basically takes a look at um, markets that we're go- in, market we're going, markets we're going into, and really drive around understanding um, those different those different um, customers. So um, those three big bucket um, points of input, constant points of constant steady input to our content team, also drive into our, our 
digital demand gen team as well. Um, so we have this constant kind of flowing river of input and intelligence um, into the content team. A lot of a lot of times I see content team flounder a bit because in many cases the poor content people left to their own devices to try to figure out what's really relevant to each um, persona, to each vertical market, to each whatever segment they're, they're looking at. Um, so we have actually what we call Content Thursdays uh, where we have about an hour and a half meeting uh, between these different groups. And we tee up um, everything from... Um, uh, latest market research, latest findings, latest SEO developments, and we make sure that the, the content team kind of understands that uh, before we launch into a new vertical market. Um, we ha- we spend hours uh, between our product marketing team and our content team, and we'll actually develop out and chart out what we're doing when um, to kind of you know start from again those kind of beginning phases to kind of you know s- you know snatch up as many leads, mostly engage as many prospects as we can, um, and then start to go from there. Um, so so yeah, so it's it's a it's a by design um, structure within the marketing team where the, the content team really has constant steady. Um, kind of programmatic um, points of input, points of um, value, points of insight, um, and then they drive the content from that. So, so in terms of our vertical markets, like you just mentioned, you know, some of the points about seasonality, um, we'll take uh, we'll take pet uh, for. Uh, for pet grooming, summertime is very heavy. Boarding is very heavy. People go on vacations, things of that nature. Um, that's a different point of seasonality versus like spa and salon where, you know, basically, you know, there are two major points of seasonality between Thanksgiving and New Year's here in the U.S. And then also uh, basically between round terms, um, Mother's Day. Uh, we have Mother's Day. We have proms. We have uh, weddings so that would basically roll in round terms to about July 1st from around May 1st. So, um, so you've got these different points of seasonality where you're managing your content and your timing. And what we do is we manage our content back um, as it, and, and actually interrelate it into our sales cycle. So if um, let's just take Thanksgiving, uh, third week in November and round terms every year, if it takes our sales team uh, on average 22 days to, to close a deal and it takes, let's say, our, our typical customer, usually it's the customer that takes the time to do it. Uh, let's just say it takes a couple weeks for them to get fully up live and implementing just because of their, their busyness. Uh, if you back up to somebody who wants to actually have a system up and running by November 15th to be ahead of Thanksgiving, you actually have to back that up to um, November 1st for contract sign, which means you actually have to back up to in round terms um, October 1st in terms of uh, you know having everything teed up for the sales team, which means you actually have to build you know bring your content back to a very heavy you know post Labor Day push, and we do that with all of our con all of our content is completely synced. Um, to the seasonality, but also to the sales cycle. Um, so that our sales team gets the most out of the content. Um, and then we can also add supplementary um, offers, promotions, and so on uh, geared around the content. Because the whole point of it, um, you know, our metrics are not, um, well, we, we track many, many metrics, you know, visitors, clicks, all this kind of stuff. What we really um, gear and we hold the content team accountable for is um, organic leads, volumes, organic lead, um, uh, MQLs, uh, SALs, and actually conversions into contracts. Um, um, as we say, basically, our, our purpose here with content is to, is to help drive uh, uh, more deals on better terms faster. Um, that's what we measure and hold the content team to. Yeah, I, lo- I love that about the way you run your team. Um, I think everyone, from what I've 
what what I've got to feel is accountable at the end of the day to the re- to revenue. Um, but yeah, I just want to take a moment and also speak to some of the sponsors of Content Pros just for a moment. And you know, the first part of of you know what you described for us, Jim, is is really telling the right story to the right personas. And you know, it, it's a great if if people listening are really into storytelling, I really urge you to take a look at. Business of Story. It's another podcast through Convince and Convert, meaning it's one of our sister podcasts here, um, to Content Pros. And Park Howell runs an amazing podcast. Uh, I've been a, a guest on it myself. It's a great time. It's great to listen to. And he'll tell you all sorts of uh, different angles to storytelling that span from you know Hollywood to you know the B two B type of stories that we're talking about here today with Booker dot com. So I urge you to take a look at businessofstory.com. And you know, just jumping back to to you know everything that we've been talking about here, Jim, and and thinking about you know the strategies that you've put in place. I'm wondering how you've managed to scale because you know one of the the interesting parts about all the success that you've had is it's meant more verticals that you're diving into and even recently some new acquisitions I believe to the business in terms of new businesses that are allowing you to go broader in what you're doing and I'm wondering how you've managed the content team on that as you as you pull into perhaps you know wider wider offering to your customers are you managing that with one content team or are you taking different mini content teams to the new business units that you have? That's a, that's a great question. Randy. Actually, it's funny. Um, I'll actually kind of answer that on two different levels. Um, our content and our approach and our infrastructure, our, our entire you know, tech stack, um, has actually allowed us to enter new verticals really quickly with actually the existing team. Um, because while we're, you know, while each SMB vertical has a has a different slant and a different set of issues with the input from from product marketing, from channel, um, and you know, from our from our our SEO and, and uh, demand side. Um, they're actually able to, to retool the, basically the philosophy stays the same. The approach stays the same. It's just gearing around those verticals, um, triggers. Um, so, and the, and the cost, obviously the infrastructure cost stays basically the same, uh, but you're able to actually, you know, increasingly efficiently produce content that's on target, um, using some of the technological tools, but also just the, the writers actually getting much, much more in sync. So, um, as we entered new vertical markets, uh, we found that actually to be, um, actually really very straightforward. Um, we took a, a leap, uh, to your point, we acquired a company called Frederick at hirefrederick.com, um, which is, um, very much in, um, the business of, um, intelligently helping small businesses kind of fill empty seats in real time, fill up, uh, slots for, for some of their workers. Um, it's all about, uh, kind of real time customer views as well as, um, NPS scores and, uh, and improving word of mouth yield, uh, from existing customer bases. Um, but they had their own site and they're going to maintain their own brand basically to, to build up the value of that company, the distinct value of the company before it's merged in. So we ended up having to actually build out and create from scratch a blog, which we turned to Uber Flip 4, of course. Um, but it was very different content with a very different purpose. And we ended up using the same content team um, for that as well. Now, if you look at the blogs at hirefrederick.com versus booker.com, you'll get extremely different flavors 
uh, addressing the same markets, but um, very, very specific to the kind of business challenges and opportunities that gear around the Frederick solution. Um, so yeah, so basically there we used, um, we were able to, to your point, to actually grow the business um, through acquisition and new verticals using the same content team. Uh, and actually our content team, just as a matter of fact, is about 50% less than what it was a year and a quarter ago because this approach actually becomes so process driven. And um, and basically once you get the machine rolling, it's uh, it's pretty straightforward. Um, I, I think one of the things that's uh, kind of cool where we have expanded a little bit, oh, actually, I'll add one third piece that we use the same content team for, um, is that we've actually used content um, content uh, driven demand campaigns um, to test out the, the viability of new partnerships before we actually go into them. Uh, we've just started that over the course of the last six months. And that also has been kind of a unique um, differentiator for us. Again, using the same content team, using already um, existing content, uh, but being able to actually kind of change the way business development deals are, are, are valued uh, before before the, the, the ink is signed. Um, but the last piece actually went with an outside part was with the booker.com um, blog. We realized that um, as we looked at our our web analytics, we looked at our blog analytics, we also looked at our market research, um, there were a couple of really underserved areas um, within the SMB space. One was women SMB owners, and they make up about 65% of our customers, about 50% of overall service business owners. Um, just general business advice. Um, so we introduced Shiboom, a place where women connect and prosper, as a blog on top of our blog, which would open up you know, but even further in terms of reach and engagement. Um, the other piece was Next Wave SMB. Um, all SMBs we're finding are to varying degrees wrestling with the wave of new technologies coming to them, impacting their business. Um, in a sense, that's that's a CTO um, working on their behalf and translating all the new technologies to what it means to them and how they can use it and how they can use it in their business relative to their motivation. So, um, so there's two examples where we highly leverage our existing team and then we chose to selectively go out and get subject matter experts with their own um, tens of thousands of followers to grease and facilitate facilitate the, uh, the reach and expansion that I was just talking about. So, so you can always cut it a few different ways. But, um, yeah, obviously very, very leverage, leverageable once you've got the, the, blog, the blog core built. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I love to your point how, how, as you describe, you you built the blog on top of the blog, but it, it truly does have its own flavor. I mean, if you know, I, I urge people again to check out blog.booker.com, check out the the SheBoom uh, option within the menu, and it, it almost has its own visual feel to it. Um, you know, you really feel right out of the gate like you're connecting with a complete different customer, but it's obviously just one of the important segments that you've identified as you've continued to. To scale, and I guess that's that's part of the fun that you get to layer in as you get more complex. Is you know continuing to still rely on blog um, as a real powerful tool, but getting to segmentation to a whole new new level at this stage. Yeah, it, it really does. Um, it really does feed on itself, Randy. Um, the more you do, the more insights, the better you understand your customers, the better you can segment, the better you can target, um, the higher you increase the yields. And it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's really, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's incredibly powerful. It's just when people think, well, how much more room is there for, uh, for what you can do with a blog? Um, if you actually really listen to the market and you really look at the data, um, there's, there's always a lot more you can do. Yeah. 
Well, you know, one of the things I think you've done a great job at is is talking to, today about how that entire buyer journey is thought of. You know, the funnel, as we as we often say, how do we think about the top and work our way through to the bottom and, and use content along it. So, one of the things hopefully we'll get you to Toronto for uh, later this year is Uberflip is is running the Uberflip experience here in August, and I urge people to check out at uberflip.com/experience. It's going to be two great days and a great. City. City, being Toronto, August 24th and 25th. And uh, we'll talk all about how content is used along the buyer journey with great uh, keynotes, including uh, none other than Jay Bear uh, of Convince and Convert. So hopefully we'll get you there, Jim, and, uh, and many others uh, to join together. Uh, we've got time for, for one more quick question, uh, that we always like to finish on. And I, I warned you, you'd have 30 minutes to think about this one, which is, you know, what did you want to be growing up? And, you know, I, I can't imagine it was a B2B marketer. No, it was not a B2B marketer. Uh, thank you. Actually, it's funny. I had, uh, I had always wanted to be uh, a historian. Uh, I was very much into, um, all the the facts, the history, the stories, everything that went with uh, being a historian, and uh, especially a uh, American uh, history historian, and uh, and so actually starting when I was in you know in middle school through high school, and then while I was at Princeton, majored in history and so on, and uh, I often get the question these days, well, how in the world did you end up kind of you know doing what you do uh, with a history background. So, so I ended up um, getting an internship on the first PC systems at IBM um, while, I was, while I was still in college, so when I was 19 years old. So I, I kind of caught the tech bug. Uh, but as time went on, I realized that, especially in this day and age of uh, data analytics, um, it, quite frankly, what I do is not very much different than a historian because a lot of what I do is just kind of um, spend a lot of time in the, in the facts and the data and the stories that are behind the stories and then, um, and then start to kind of create new stories um, based, on the, you know, based on the trends and based on all the breadcrumbs that have come through, uh, through history. So whether it's history you know, a couple hundred years back or whether in this case uh, history with Booker, it's a couple years back, um, there are stories, uh, stories in all the data and stories in, in uh, every piece of content. So, so I guess it's kind of connected, um, but at least that's how I rationalize it anyway. Absolutely. I mean, you know, history is very much storytelling to your point, and you've obviously done a great job uh, telling stories to different different segments at Booker. Um, I urge everyone to take a look at uh, some of the work that you've done at, at Booker.com, and uh, anyone running a small business should definitely take a look at, at your solution as well. Um, you know, I want to thank you, Jim, for taking the time today to, to share with us how you've scaled this business so successfully. Um, thank you to everyone who's tuned in to Content Pros. Um, uh, please, uh, you know, download all other episodes if you're enjoying this one. Uh, it's available at iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you like to find your podcast. And please leave us a review at iTunes. Uh, we need feedback. We want to know how we can make these podcasts more meaningful to you and continue to get great guests on to keep you educated. Thanks so much. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. <laughs>